Life Radio's Living Witnesses with Mary Graham. So excited about what we have going on today. Our guests are Michelle Percaro and Mary Beth Finster. We found some fabulous music that coordinates with this week's consecration readings. I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. We're going to be using the music from Danielle Rose. Her album's entitled I Thirst. And we'll be using her music as bumper music during this week's programs. We are reading from the book 33 Days to Morning Glory, a do-it-yourself retreat. But wait, before you go away, we may be reading, but we're reading in a very conversational style. You will enjoy this. The book is written by Father Michael Gately, and he himself writes in a conversational style, so that makes it easy. We are beginning week three of preparation for consecration to Jesus Christ through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And this week, we'll focus on the example and words of a third great teacher of Marian consecration, Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She's notable for the way she puts Marian consecration into context. In other words, while de Montfort and Colby give us the main details of Marian consecration, Mother Teresa helps us to see it more fully within the big picture of a most intimate relationship with Christ. Although we won't immediately begin reflections on her devotion to Mary, we'll get to them soon enough. Michelle, can you please begin reading from 33 Days to Morning Glory by Father Michael Gately on page 67. Who is Blessed Mother Teresa of Calcutta? She's easy to understand. All we really need to know are two words, I thirst. These words at the heart of Jesus, spoken from his agony on the cross, were Mother's whole concern, her everything. And the same could be said of Our Lady. The deepest desire of the hearts of both Mother Teresa and the Mother of God is to satiate the thirst of the heart of Jesus for love and for souls. In this sense, Mother Teresa's life is a revelation of the heart of Mary and presents one of the richest expressions of Marian consecration. We'll reflect on the details of this revelation and example during many of the days that follow. But first, let's ponder an overview of her life as a whole. It was interesting to find out Mother Teresa's home parish in her native Macedonia was fittingly called Sacred Heart. Fittingly, because as she herself said, from childhood, the heart of Jesus has been my first love. This love may have begun when, at the very age of five, she received the Eucharistic heart of Jesus for the first time. On that occasion, she experienced the Lord's own burning thirst for souls. Then over the years, this thirst grew and blossomed into a conviction that by the age of 12, that God was calling her to be a missionary. So when she was 18, she joined the Institute of the Blessed Virgin Mary, that we know as the Loretta Sisters, and applied to go to their missions in Bengal, India, where she was sent the next year. After a year of novitiate, Teresa was assigned to the Loretto community in Calcutta and appointed to teach at St. Mary's Bengali Medium School for Girls. The new sister would serve there for more than a decade and a half. Mother Teresa's years at St. Mary's were happy ones. She was a joyful, generous, hardworking sister. In fact, she was so generous with the Lord that with the permission of her spiritual director, she made an extraordinary vow to refuse Jesus nothing. Five years later, Jesus tested this vow in a very big way. On September 10th, 1946, while on a train to her yearly retreat, the 36-year-old sister experienced what she described as a call from within a call. The details of this call became clear in the subsequent weeks and months through a flood of mystical experiences. 
that included visions. At the heart of this call was the burning thirst of Jesus for love and for souls, and a plea to Teresa to found the Missionaries of Charity Religious Congregation. Regarding the latter, as if to remind her of the vow she had made, Jesus kept repeating to her, Wilt thou refuse? Mother Teresa did not refuse the Lord. After her retreat, she spoke with her spiritual director and, with his permission, contacted the bishop. When the bishop hesitated to approve her plans, she wrote to him, Don't delay, your grace. Don't put it off. Let us take away from the heart of Jesus his continual suffering. In the same letter, she repeated this idea. Let us bring joy to the heart of Jesus and remove from his heart those terrible sufferings. Eventually, the bishop gave his approval, and Mother founded the Missionaries of Charity, whose general purpose she described as follows, to satiate the thirst of Jesus Christ on the cross for love and for souls. That paragraph jumps out at me just in the point of the bishop hesitating at first. I mean, I can only imagine um, seeing this small little four foot nine woman yes. coming and with this power and zeal and, and just it gives me encouragement when, you know, sometimes things don't work out the way, even in, in the role of evangelization, it just may not work out the way we plan it. But when we find that Mary leads us where we're supposed to go, it, you take sometimes the doors that seem to close, but yet they open in another direction that's far a far better plan. From the beginning of the new congregation, Mother Teresa began to experience such terrible darkness in her soul as if everything was dead. At times it seemed unbearable, and she frequently found herself on the brink of despair. In 1961, she received a light in this darkness. After a conversation with a holy priest, she realized that her painful longing was actually a share in the thirst of Jesus. For the first time in this 11 years, I have come to love the darkness, she says, for I believe now that it is a part, a very small part of Jesus' darkness and pain on earth. Teresa's experience of darkness and painful longing continued to the end of her life. She found the strength to persevere because, as her spiritual director put it, she realized the darkness was actually a mysterious link that united her to the heart of Jesus. Wait, let's chime in. Can you imagine going 11 years with that feeling of despair and still going on anyway and not thinking, okay, I guess I'm wrong. I shouldn't feel this way if I was following God's will. And she just continued. Isn't that incredible, the faith? And and also, so much was written in the media. I remember that kind of coming out uh, about her spiritual darkness, but just understanding it from a better perspective of mm-hmm. the depth of, of a book like this, that she looked at it as a share in, in the thirst of Jesus, almost like when Paul writes in Romans that we get an opportunity to share in Christ's sufferings when we're going through something mm-hmm. difficult. Well, what about us? Do you think we realize the mysterious link between the darkness we sometimes experience in our own lives and that of the Lord's suffering? Let us ponder Mother Teresa's words on suffering that come from her own experience and so, like her, become better lovers of the heart of Jesus. Michelle, can you read a quote from her book? Yeah, so the quote is from a book called A Life for God, Mother Teresa Treasury. Here's a quote. Suffering has to come because if you look at the cross, 
He has got his head bending down. He wants to kiss you. And he has both hands open wide. He wants to embrace you. He has his heart open wide to receive you. Then, when you feel miserable inside, look at the cross and you will know what is happening. Suffering, pain, sorrow, humiliation, feelings of loneliness are nothing but the kiss of Jesus, a sign that you have come so close that he can kiss you. Do you understand, brothers and sisters, or whoever you may be? Suffering, pain, humiliation, this is the kiss of Jesus. At times, you come so close to Jesus on the cross that he can kiss you. I once told this to a lady who was suffering very much. She answered, tell Jesus not to kiss me. Stop <laughs> kissing me. <laughs> that suffering has to come. That came in the life of Our Lady. That came in the life of Jesus. It has to come in our life also. Only never put on a long face. Suffering is a gift from God. It is between you and Jesus alone inside. How many of us in our life have, have not embraced our sufferings like we're called to? How many of us try to shun them or run away or, or avoid those pains? And it becomes so much sweeter if we just embrace it, if we just carry that cross and give it back to God, give it right back. And Mary, if you grew up Catholic, we all know that famous line offered up. And it takes, mm -hmm. it really does take a lifetime to, I, I find myself once in a while using my mother's words to my children, like mm -hmm. all the time. But it, it does take a lifetime of lived experience and wisdom and being entrenched in our faith to really grasp it. It's just something that I don't think our Lord really has us come to full uh, understanding of it to our lifetime. I mean, who wants to embrace suffering? I frequently will find myself in the midst of suffering for a, an extended period of time before I stop and go, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to be offering this one up, aren't I? <laughs> yeah. That wraps up our reading for day 15, our daily prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary, help me to find the love of the heart of Jesus hidden in the darkness. Our weekly prayer that we're called to pray daily is the Memorare. Let us pray. Remember, O most gracious Virgin, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Coming up after the break, we're going to take a look at the questions or the meditation thoughts that we're supposed to be pondering throughout the day during our 33 Days to Morning Glory retreat. Our bumper music today is from Danielle Rose. This is the title cut of her CD, I Thirst. You can find her online at daniellerose.com. That's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E-R-O-S-E.com. Back with those study questions right after this. On Real Life Radio, Living Witnesses.
Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses, Mary Graham, our guest today, Mary Beth Finster, and Michelle Procaro. We are starting now, day 15, the questions in the Retreat Companion to 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's written by Carol R. Younger. Question number one, what details of Mother Teresa's spiritual growth and development stand out to you and intrigue you? Why? Her first Holy Communion at five years old? Her burning thirst for souls revealed to her at such an early age by Christ? Wanting to be a missionary? Her acceptance of terrible darkness out of love of Jesus? Which one? Well, for me, Mary, I've, the acceptance of the terrible darkness is what sticks out the most. I know that Mary Beth had talked a little bit about growing up Catholic and hearing always the term to offer it up, but Blessed Mother Teresa really brings a different perspective into the idea of suffering. It's it's not just offering it up. It's actually acknowledging the darkness and acknowledging the suffering as the kiss of Jesus. And that's something that really stands out for me in this section of the reading. And I actually look at each one of those. It's almost her last most difficult, the acceptance of the terrible darkness. Without those earlier things that she did to grow spiritually, that piece would not have been accomplished. So I look at it in in each of our own lives as that every single piece, and and it could be a crooked road, because mine was kind of crooked, especially during, you know, my college years. I, I was attending Mass, but I can't say that I was growing in any way in my faith. But all of it, no matter where every single person is, Ultimately, all these pieces of the puzzle build on each other. And, and Mother Teresa certainly had, you know, had receiving her communion at five years old and then this burning thirst at such an early age, of course. But each part of that was such a building block for her ability to accept the terrible darkness. Question number two. Mother Teresa's generosity eventually prompted her to promise Jesus that she would refuse him nothing. In a sense, the Marian consecration that you're preparing for is similar to Mother Teresa's promise. Everything of yours will belong to Mary, who loves you and brings you closer to the pierced heart of Christ. Will you refuse her nothing? Recall that Mary is not outdone in generosity. What does the Lord or his mother say to you in prayer about this? Mary, this is something that reminds me of week one when we read about St. Louis de Montfort and the consistent theme of Mary not being outdone in generosity. And this not being the first time that I've gone through the retreat, I remember the first time going through the retreat, the idea of giving her everything was definitely scary. It definitely took time to get used to the idea of giving it all, my body and soul, my goods, both interior and exterior, is the prayer that we pray. And this is something, while it has gotten easier, when compared to Mother Teresa's refusing Jesus nothing, it, it really brings an additional depth to it, and, and it helps me to better understand that giving everything to Mary is giving everything to Christ. So Mother Teresa, I think, really brings a new perspective on some of these themes. I echo you, Michelle. I do want to emphasize that after repeating the consecration, um, at least on an annual basis, but sometimes more often, it's taken time for me to really kind of chew on those words and really mean them 
and actually articulated, and I've said it in previous, um, maybe like you said, that first week, where I actually this year articulated the words to Mary, I will do anything for you in my prayer time. And I felt that, 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 dialogue back to me and asking me again when I want to kind of back down and giving me strength and that, that, that direction and trying to carry out her work because I know what she's trying to do. She's trying to get as many people as close to her son. So by uniting to her and, uh, you know, willing to do anything for her, I'm bringing those, I'm helping in my little particle, in my little part in Florida to do what I can to bring others that may not know the love of Jesus. Christ or have encountered him. Have either of you ever stopped and wondered, why is it that some people have such profound spiritual experiences while some of us are just kind of standing there going, huh, it's interesting. Why not me? I think sometimes it's because some people are just more ready to say yes than others. There's there's a lot of, you know, I think reasons that go behind that that we don't understand. But, yeah, I certainly believe, think about that sometimes, looking at another person. There's a beautiful song by a woman named Danielle Rose called The Saint That Is Just Me. And it just talks about how for so long, she you know, wanted to be like all these great saints and came to realize that she is meant to be just who she is and that Christ loved her and loved her um, just for who she is. And she's not meant to be anyone else. And Mary, don't you also think like when you look at your own children, when they were little, they weren't ready to kind of comprehend everything, you know, that maybe your teenager can now listen to it. I have a 17-year-old down to a 4-year-old, so I dramatically talk different to my 17-year-old. And I think that's what our Heavenly Father does with us. It's not so much, yes, there are great saints and, and wonderful, wonderful examples um, throughout the history of our church of, of um, men and women receiving such graces, but it is a available to us and I have found that in the years that I wasn't in in tune to things and tuned into that channel, it was that I was somewhat away from the sacraments of the church. I wasn't receiving that grace that's available to me in the Eucharist and and, um, confession that is free, that I have access to every single day. And that has changed me dramatically to being more aware to the everyday, ordinary happenstances that God breaks through, that sometimes I used to walk by and not even notice, Mm -hmm. and now it just kind of screams out at you. Mary Beth, speaking of children, isn't it amazing how different the spirituality is of each and every one of our kids, even though they're raised under the same roof and by the same guidelines and the same rules? Every single person has a different fingerprint that God has designed us with a special job and mission. And as your children, we all have our, our focus on Christ, but Mary, Michelle, Mary Beth, we're all different mm-hmm. in what God wants us to do because we are a unique set of DNA and gifts and passions and zeals that no one else can carry out. And, and I think by raising children, it gives us that glimpse of what it is that we're, we're trying to come to that spiritual reality ultimately by the end of our journey. But sometimes it takes us long and it's right in front of us as we raise our own children. We're going to cut our discussion time for questions one and two a little bit short because I found the song by Danielle Rose, The Saint That Is Just Me. You can find the song online at daniellerose.com. 
That's D-A-N-I-E-L-L-E, Rose, R-O-S-E, dot com. I want to remind you, if you do not have your retreat materials yet, you can get them at 33daystomorningglory.com. That's 33daystomorningglory.com. We are reading the book by Father Michael Gately, 33 Days to Morning Glory, and using the Retreat Companion by Carol R. Younger. There's also a DVD set that goes with this if you want to coordinate a small group session in your community. Again, you can get those at 33daystomorningglory.com. You can also join in on discussions at that blog site. Share with us your answers to these questions. We'd love to hear from you. Here she is now, Danielle Rose. On Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. Oh, I thought I'd be heroic and inspiring. I wanted to offer you the greatest sacrifice. Thank you. 
listening to Real Life Radio's Living Witnesses. We are preparing our hearts, minds, souls to receive Jesus Christ on Consecration Day through the Immaculate Heart of His Mother Mary. We are reviewing the questions in the Retreat Companion to 33 Days to Morning Glory. 33 Days is a book that was written by Father Michael Gately, and it is storming the countryside. Two million copies have already been sold. We are on question number three, which is on page 72 of the Retreat Companion. Question number three reads, Mother Teresa experienced terrible darkness and loneliness after saying yes to Jesus. She eventually discerned it to be a sharing in Jesus' suffering and thirst on the cross. Participating in the suffering of Jesus' passion and death is a common theme among many saints. What about this is attractive to you? What about it is difficult or even frightening for you? You know, Mary, when I hear that question, what about this is attractive to you? I just think, I don't know. <laughs> There's, it's very <laughs> <Nothing>. hard. <laughs> it's very and the only hard thing attractive. The only thing attractive is that you read about it, um, and, I, yeah. and it does bring me back to Colby because I, I've contemplated his his life and that experience um, in that concentration camp. But I, I don't think anything attracts you to it other than the courage and zeal. It's not like we want these things in our own life. But some of the experiences that I have, you know, I'm 51 years old now, and when I was 38, I lost my husband to cancer. And while I would never want that experience for anyone, I wouldn't be where I am today if I had not gone through that experience. And I think that's what most people that when God knocks on the door and you realize you have nothing else but God to get you through it, it changes you dramatically. That is something that people look back on. And I'm sure there's many listeners that either are in the midst of something, have gone through something, and they say, that wow, that was life altering. And it was for me. Thanks for sharing that, Mary Beth. We have saints among us. We can look at the example of Mother Teresa and think about how, well, I, I can't be like her. That's, that's just too much. But when you see your neighbor and your friend going through suffering and accepting it, it really is such a great example and inspiration to have the courage to get through the things that you may be going through. And especially living in a time period where, come on, let's face it, we become uncomfortable if our AC isn't working, if the 144 channels on our TV, are, are we don't have something to pick from. I mean, our comfort level is so dramatically different. And when you have that yardstick and you do read about such inspiring stories of men and women, some that may not be necessarily called a saint yet in our church. I have so many people that I just go to church with that I just look in awe at some of the things that they've done to handle suffering. I think one thing that makes it attractive is we know the prize at the end is worth it. Eternal happiness with God in heaven. I mean, that's what, that's, that's what you get. That's your reward. That's where the attraction comes in for me. Absolutely. I think that can inspire you to continue on through any pain that you might experience. What it also makes me think of is heroes in general, how oftentimes our culture looks at such different types of worldly things of power and prestige and and all that for these heroes. But when you find a Mother Teresa or you see a John Paul, uh, you know, the second, you you just, they're, it's infectious. It draws more people like our our current Pope. 
his last trip to the Philippines where there was like eight million people, he was like a rock star because that kind of lifestyle, what he's presenting to the world is contagious. And most people will gravitate towards that kind of a hero. The rest are fleeting heroes. As you mentioned, Pope Francis, there's so many things of what he does that are so inspiring. Did you see recently where he was going to a mass and he stopped in the basically the ghettos of Rome to see the poor people? And he just got out of his car. He He arrived at the church a little bit early. He got out of his car and he just walked among the people. And the people were so excited and so gracious to see him. And it was like a rock star. I mean, if you've ever been to a concert or anything like that, you get so excited if you get to you get to touch or to get up close to that to that famous person. And that's how people feel when they see our Pope. And his message that now is the time of mercy. He is not just saying it with his lips. It's it's every action. And you know what? It it makes me as as a, a Catholic not only proud to be a Catholic and love our faith, but it makes me want to do that as well. And that's what the effects of someone that is takes on um, suffering. And I mean, I even remember when his some of his family were killed in the car accident. And mm-hmm. what what a tremendous suffering that our Pope had to go through with that, but how well he shows us how to do it. Think about St. John Paul II and all the pain and suffering that he went through there at the end of his life, and yet he still persevered as that living witness, as that sign of hope, and the example that he gave to us through his suffering. Mother Teresa says, the suffering that came to the life of Our Lady, that came to the life of Jesus, has to come in our life also. Suffering is a gift from God. It is between you and Jesus alone, inside. Try to explain your understanding of this as a Catholic Christian. I've only been Catholic for a few years, and my entire life I was always, I always had faith in Jesus Christ. I always understood that through his sacrifice, we are redeemed. Before I was Catholic, I never really had a sense of the idea of suffering, certainly not suffering being a gift from God. So the idea that Jesus just comes to wash away our sins is a huge part of what we believe, but it's also to share in his life, to look at him and look at Our Lady as an example of what we are supposed to be and that our redemption saves us from eternal fire, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't need to suffer in this life. I couldn't agree with you more, Michelle. One of my favorite sayings is, Jesus didn't suffer and die on the cross, so we wouldn't have to suffer. Through his suffering and dying on the cross, we learn how to suffer. And the document that John Paul II released, uh, I believe it was February 11th, 1981, Salvitici Dolores on the Human Meaning of Suffering. He really explains just, and, and you definitely need the Cliff Note version, which it's available on Google, just Google it, but the ability to have that particle and join, and I think as a Catholic Christian, it's more than 
being there to help your neighbor or someone going through a difficult time, just doing a good deed. It's really understanding and comprehending that this suffering is redemptive, that we do participate, that there, we're helping souls, other souls, by offering it up, in quotes. Um, it's just the depth and beauty of what our church teaches on it. It's just more than just a good work and being a nice Christian. Michelle, I think that's really interesting that you're a recent convert. Mm-hmm. The whole idea of offering it up, is that something you heard early on in your conversion, or is that something that's a relatively new thought for you? It's something I heard on early in my conversion, but my conversion only really started a few years ago, at least the, at least the, um, the sort of home stretch of it where I acknowledged mm-hmm. what was happening. So <laughs> the whole offering it up while I've, I've come to learn that, it's certainly not something that I ever really heard or would have ever understood before I became Catholic. Do you see a loss for people who don't comprehend the redemptive suffering? Oh, absolutely. There's, I mean, there's so much. We believe that consecration to Our Lady is where a lot of graces flow from to not offer up suffering. There's, there's so much prayer that can come from offering it up without having to sit down, fold your hands, and talk to the Lord. Just the act of offering it is a prayer, and we don't even know the extent of where those graces are going for our own souls, for our families, for souls in purgatory. We can't even picture Mm -hmm. what that is, so we're certainly missing something if we don't start to embrace that concept of offering our suffering. That was a great explanation and a beautiful visual of the communion of saints. Mary Beth, can you lead us in our closing prayer for the day? Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary. Help me to find the love of the heart of Jesus hidden in the darkness. And this week's prayer that we are called to pray every single day is the Memorare. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful, O Mother of the Word incarnate. Despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. Special treat, we're highlighting Danielle Rose this week because she has an entire album entitled I Thirst. You got it. It's all about Mother Teresa. Within that album, she has song the Memorare. So we are going to wrap up this hour listening to a portion of that song. If you like it, you can pick it up at DanielleRose.com. Coming up right after the break, we are going to take a look at St. Louis de Montfort's spirituality, and we'll rehash the discussion questions with some more music that you can listen to while you meditate on the questions.
St. Louis de Montfort is the inspiration for so many people to consecrate to Jesus Christ through Mary. Now is the time in our program when we take a look at his spirituality, the prayers and meditations that he used as he prepared to consecrate his life to Jesus. He begins day 15 reading from Luke 13, verses 1 through 5. Next, we read in true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, numbers 81 and 82. We need Mary in order to die to ourselves, and it reads as follows. Secondly, in order to empty ourselves of self, we must die daily to ourselves. This involves our renouncing what the powers of the soul and the sense of the body incline us to do. We must see if we do not see, hear as if we do not hear, and use things of this world as if we did not use them. This is what St. Paul calls dying daily. Unless the grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single grain and does not bear any good fruit. If we do not die to self, and if our holiest devotions do not lead us to this necessary and fruitful death, we shall not bear fruit of any worth and our devotions will cease to be profitable. All other good works will be tainted by self-love and self-will so that our greatest sacrifices and our best actions will be unacceptable to God. Consequently, when we come to die, we shall find ourselves devoid of virtue and merit and discover that we do not possess even one spark of the pure love which God shares only with those who have died to themselves and whose life is hidden with Jesus Christ in him. Thirdly, we must choose among the devotions to the Blessed Virgin, the one which will lead us more surely to the dying to self. This devotion will be the best and the most sanctifying for us. And again, this week, the first the first prayer that he prays is the Litany of the Holy Ghost or the Litany of the Holy Spirit. And that's followed by the Litany of Laredo. We're going to listen to that litany now sung by Donna Corey Gibson. While we're listening to that, let's think about our first two questions on day 15 from Father Michael Gately's book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. Question number one, what details of Mother Teresa's spiritual growth and development stand out to you and intrigue you? Why? And number two, Mother Teresa's generosity eventually prompted her to promise Jesus that she would refuse him nothing. In a sense, the Marian consecration that you're preparing for is similar to Mother Teresa's promise. Everything of yours will belong to Mary, who loves you and brings you closer to the pierced heart of Christ. Will you refuse her nothing? Recall that Mary is not outdone in generosity. What does the Lord or his mother say to you in prayer about this?
That is Donna Corey Gibson's song entitled Mother. You can find her music online at DonnaCoreyGibson.com. Our next song is from Marion Grace. It's called Ave Maria Stella. You can find her music at LoveGoodMusic.com. This is the next song in Louis de Montfort's Consecration Preparation. Let's listen to this while we ponder questions three and four for today. Participating in the suffering of Jesus' passion and death is a common theme among many saints' writings. What about this is attractive to you? What about it is difficult or even frightening for you? And question number four, suffering is a gift from God. It is between you and Jesus alone inside. Try to explain your understanding of this as a Catholic Christian.
Just 